0: You're listening to The Untaming Podcast. We grow the child. Here is your host, Emily. Hello, welcome back to Episode 9 of The Untaming Podcast. I hope you enjoyed last week's episode with Cornelia Holton. She's certainly given me a few ideas that I'd like to try when it comes time for us to begin growing our own food again. Next week we have another episode similar to the previous episodes with Phoenix and Kate Soulsby. This time I'll be talking with Alexa Peterson, a woman living in a yurt on a communal farm in rural New Zealand. Her current setup and way of life is something I am personally aiming for and I hope to meet her in real life soon. But today I will talk with Charlie Brook. I'm not going to give away too much, the episode will do the talking for you soon enough, but I think the message Charlie has to share is very important, and I hope you can see the value in it too, and help us to spread it. Oh yeah, and a word of warning, this episode does contain some pretty coarse language. 26-year-old Charlie Brooke was born in and grew up in Texas to a Filipino mother and a British father, and currently lives in Barcelona, Spain, with two roommates. Charlie is a feminist writer and filmmaker. She studied rape culture in the media for her master's degree. Charlie hosts a podcast titled Hear Me Out. Each episode, she talks in a surprisingly humorous and lighthearted way about how a popular movie has perpetuated rape culture. Charlie enjoys conversing on topics such as perpetuation, a term she coined herself, symbolic annihilation, rape myths, and badass woman. Last night she had five hours of sleep, she prefers to get at least eight, and for dinner tonight she had a salad with lots of things. Charlie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So we connected recently through social media when you shared your new podcast, Hear Me Out, with fellow podcasters. And I didn't really have much of an understanding on the topic of perpetuating rape culture, so I thought it was worth listening to to learn more. And then after hearing all of the episodes you've released so far, I immediately saw the value in spreading this knowledge and also the relevance for my own podcast. So here we are. Yes. And I wondered... If we could begin with you giving the listeners a quick rundown on what perpetuation is.
1: Yes, of course. I know it's kind of um, uh, a bit confusing to wrap your head around when you haven't heard the term before. Um, well, basically, perpetuation is, uh, as you mentioned, a, a phrase I coined um Back when i was doing my uh thesis my my master's thesis um i did a documentary on how our culture perpetuate or yes how our culture perpetuates rape or um mm-hmm. you know just the perpetuation of rape culture in the media and um the documentary was just all about how when we see certain images or um you know things in movies any kind of media that um has rape culture kind of attached to it or just, you know, reflected through it through language or through images, through a bunch of different things that we see. Um, that kind of just perpetuates rape culture too. And I came up with this term perpetuation. Um, and that was actually the name of the documentary, perpetu raped. Uh so basically the idea is just, you know, how rape culture manifests within our everyday culture. Um And I think the important part of the term perpetuation is the idea that it's happened to all of us. And it's I know people get really um, kind of freaked out by the word rape culture or the phrase rape culture. And that's totally fair. I mean, the word rape is scary and nobody really wants to be it to be attributed to that. Um, But Mm. the point is that it's not we're not saying by saying rape culture, it's not saying that, you know, everyone's getting raped or everyone is a rapist, things like that. That's that's not the point of, of the term or the term perpetuation. Perpetuation is about admitting that we see a lot of um, media, even today, even media that's made today, that that isn't great for women that's kind of the way I like to put it Um, it just isn't Mm. great Uh, and uh, we have to be aware of that and it doesn't have to be negative Um, well it is obviously inherently negative but it doesn't have to be um, we don't have to be judging ourselves too harshly I just think it's important to talk about and so that's kind of the idea behind perpetuation and and uh, the podcast too is is just talking about movies in that way and uh, through that kind of lens of
0: perpetuation hmm. my forefront question in understanding this is is the media perpetuating rape or is it perpetuating inequality between the sexes
1: well I think that's a really good question and I think sometimes there's there's kind of a difference in how feminists talk about the term rape culture and feminism in general hmm. Because I am so uh, adamant that everything is a culture, that's kind of the catchphrase I like to use, it's a culture, people. Um, I'm really big on believing that like most things, though it may not necessarily be about rape, um, can still be kind of related to the overall culture, whatever culture you want to call it, the Me Too movement, um, feminism in general, rape culture, sexism. All of these things are kind of getting to the same, the heart of the same problem. Mm-hmm. And they can all kind of be connected. So not everything, obviously, is directly related to rape. But if we're talking about like catcalling on the street, that obviously is a symptom of rape culture because it's basically the same. You're seeing the same patterns that would then lead, like obviously someone who is catcalling isn't necessarily a rapist, that's not what you're saying. But those kinds of, the kinds of words that we use or that someone who would catcall on the street might use that kind of just acceptance that that's okay is what then can create a culture that also accepts other things so to me i think i don't think we need to to say that it's that it's necessarily all rape culture or all talking about rape but i think it's important to recognize that it's all connected and that's the point that i would
0: more focus on towards it okay yes i see Mm -hmm. so the relevance to me and for this podcast is that A rape culture is a feminist issue because it is so anti-egalitarianism, which is how humans have lived for 99% of our history. And so humans evolved in egalitarian societies. And whenever a society stopped being egalitarian, when women became devalued, children became neglected and violence, a rapid decline in all aspects of health and misuse of natural resources ensued because those neglected children grow up to become adults suffering from the trauma of their childhoods, hence where we are right now. Right. And unfortunately, there are many versions of feminism now which have you know warped the understanding of the issue. So what we are talking about is social, political, legal, and economic equality for all people. Right. That includes men, women, and anyone who identifies as transgendered. And you know, a side note here, genetically, the transgendered community accounts for, I think, 2% of the population, which is as common as having red hair. So not including transgendered people, it's just ignorant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In our historical egalitarian societies, not all women had children, but the ones who had children were treated as equally as the men and the women who did not, and their input and differing strengths were valued accepted and most crucially supported Mm. so with that you know brief explanation out of the way let's talk about American Pie for any listeners who haven't seen it could you give them a quick plot summary of the movie
1: yes of course well um, American Pie is basically a movie about um, some high school friends a group of guys Who uh, are all virgins who haven't had who haven't had sex and or um, at least they haven't had what they would describe as you know going all the way kind of sex which uh, you know questionable about the definition of sex blah 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 but (laughs) but yes they they haven't they haven't done that and um, they basically make a pact to to do that by the end of the school year and they all are just trying to find ways to basically get that to happen uh and that's that's what ensues you know you know basic high school antics of them uh you know going to prom and trying to all lose their virginities at prom these kinds of ideas and yeah that's basically the the whole The whole gist of the movie Mm,
0: yeah okay so what stuck out to me the most from your episode on American Pie was when you talked about that scene where the woman is filmed yes and I can't believe it never crossed my mind before but like you said it's baffling that the idea that it would be a violation to film her without her knowing isn't even remotely represented it's kind of insane (laughs) Yeah. Okay, you said that they made it seem like she might like it or would find it amusing if she knew. Yeah. And then I think she was sent home, right, by her sponsors because of it? Yep,
1: exactly. Yeah, That. that's a really – Um. I know, it. it's fascinating because truly, truly, when you're watching this, they don't make it seem at all like it's even remotely a problem. And again, like, like you just said, she looks like she – It's almost like they have a sparkle in her eye, like, oh, yeah, I know this is happening and I'm into it, which is exactly Mm -hmm. how it would be represented in, like, porn, for example, or something like that. Like, which I'm not, you know, I think that's a different situation altogether, but I would say that, like, if we're actually looking at this as what it is, like a high school movie where a girl is, like, coming over and how is it written that way who wrote this clearly mm. women weren't necessarily consulted or it doesn't seem as if they were and even if they were at that point in time it this is kind of the culture we were living in so where that was kind of okay but it's very startling yeah
0: well i think um i think it was in when you were talking about suhu where young people would watch these movies and think yeah that's a good representation of how we'd behave i guess that's what normal is <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's yeah, it's exactly. the same sort of thing here
1: yeah yeah it's exactly like that it's it, i mean really if you think about it when people especially with with high school mu- movies where it's you know it's supposed to be comedy it's supposed to be fun you you see yourself reflected in it and you basically act that way because I mean, everyone was quoting both of those movies. Both of those were were quintessential high school movies that you couldn't escape and that's kind of what makes it a little difficult because it it means that it becomes a joke and the norm
0: rather than something that to be questioned or, you know, changed. Yeah. I like that you said we dismissed Stifler's endearingly annoying attitude because he's just that asshole popular guy who can get away with whatever he wants because he throws the party and supplies the beer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, the worst. <laughs> and, you know, that's something I really dislike in real life, that it's not acceptable to confront someone or hold them accountable for their behavior because, you know, they bought something for us or they did us a favor. You know, I'm sure everyone knows someone with, this sort of attitude yeah and you did mention it in one of your episodes how if you try to behave like a normal person and say that's not funny or that's not cool you're met with the response of it's just banter why do you have to be so sensitive do you have any advice for how to respond in this sort of situation
1: well I mean I think it's really difficult because it really depends On the other person like what is gonna be the best way for them to recognize that it's it's not funny and I think a lot of times you know especially when you're like a, a young blossoming feminist I know I did this a lot which was just like shut people down and it really it's unfortunate because it's not that successful I mean maybe perhaps they go home and think about it later but I think more than that they just use it as an excuse to, to to even shut you down a little bit more. Like oh of course she just, you know, went off like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So I honestly think it's almost better to to somehow be clever, which I know is so hard in the moment because more than likely, the way I usually, in the, especially in the past, used to respond was either getting really mad or just shutting down, and that's neither of those really helps your case. So I think the most important thing is just to say cool, calm, and collected, and just be a bit like, oh, you know, I, someone gave the advice one time just to be like, I don't get it, <laughs> and um, asking them to explain it, because then when they do, it's, it's a bit like, oh... <laughs> You know they have to be like, yeah, it's funny because you're a woman and woman, and we uh, don't like women, or like you know, basically whatever, whatever the situation may be. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really tough situation. And the important thing to do is not to to beat up on yourself when you don't do it well. Like in any situation, if you're at work and you have to, there's some someone who is is kind of, you know, being sexist towards women. It's difficult they're difficult situations so it's okay for you to not know how to navigate that you're not supposed to know but just do your best to to speak up
0: cool yeah I like that (laughs) (laughs) you pointed out that in the movie they say it has to be valid consensual sex and, you know, why would you have to qualify that it's consensual, non-consensual sex is not sex, it's rape. Mm -hmm. And also how feminism and egalitarianism is all for people being masters of their own sexual destiny. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, women are seen as the object of sex rather than the leading actor within it. Could you expand on this some more? Yes. So basically there's this idea that well if we
1: if we look at all the story if we look at stories basically from from all of history with just the way that we talk about women and the way we talk about men okay let's start with the idea that men are usually the doers within situations within our narratives they're always the ones that are actively getting to seek out and do the actions within within films within our narratives and women are always the ones that are just kind of there supporting them or just kind of their um the conquest <laughs> exactly exactly so and even if we're not talking about like sex objects we're not talking about sex within that particular narrative we are talking about that in almost every story women were simply just the yeah the conquest or or the the thing that was just meant to love the man and this obviously plays out in the very intimate thing that that is sex because these are the the roles that we assume in our daily lives and everything that we do um and not only that but like we've been shown all of these images of women kind of just being an object exactly that uh so mm. they're not really they're not really they don't ever really get to be in charge and of their own uh, sexual destinies in the same way. And it gets a little murky because obviously there's this discussion about about women now becoming empowered and, and finding that voice and some women liking being in that position. and, and that's totally an, a completely separate discussion, I think, totally valid. Um, but I think it's just about the idea that, on the whole on large scale historically this was this was something that that existed and continues to affect us and how we understand women's bodies and how people talk about them and so it's really really important that we that we recognize that pattern otherwise there's there's really it's only just going to continue um to become to be a problem and in these movies especially women the women really don't have a say in um much of what's going on with that even with for example like vicky basically one of the main guys has a girlfriend and he is trying to basically have have sex with her lose his fraternity to her and you know she's all concerned about like the actual you know losing this thing and he is just talking all about sex and there's actually a moment in the movie where she she says to him you know sex it's always about sex because because once again he brings a conversation to sex and then he says it's not always about sex and yet literally the whole film has been about that Mm. and i don't know i think it's just telling that like it wasn't necessarily what the conversation that the women were having but we're not seeing it, it from the same side if that makes sense
0: yeah so i'm sure you get asked this a lot so i'll give you a chance to answer it here what is the line between comedy and rape culture
1: yeah that is a really really big question i think um because i think there's a big issue in that people think well first of all feminists in general when they're commenting on specific things like this and saying oh you know this comedy isn't really great for women that that it's that it's us saying that no comedy is good and that we need you to change everything and that we don't think, you know, sex humor is funny. We don't like it. And I think that that's really, really wrong. Like it, it's completely untrue. And it also plays into the same idea that, that like people who talk about rape culture, who believe and support rape culture, um, are also saying that they like, don't like sex or that sex consensual sex is there's an, an issue just with sex in general. Mm. And I think that that's really unfair because it's it's not that way at all. First of all, I mean, I actually identify as somebody who really, really has always enjoyed, like, sex humor, um, what would normally be considered, like, male humor, even just, like, fart jokes, poop jokes, things like this. Like, I actually really like, <laughs> like, very crude humor. I'm really into it. Yeah. And um, <laughs> I think that was one of the reasons why I actually became really interested in this was because I recognized that, I wasn't a part of the humor that, um, that was happening surrounding these things. It was meant to be isolating. Mm. Like, it wasn't meant for me. And any, anytime you watch one of these movies, you kind of saw that. Um, it, it wasn't meant for, for women. And that's, that's very clear uh, in that if you try to be a part of it, they immediately it immediately becomes a thing of like, oh, are you going to ruin it? kind of thing and that's not even your choice Mm -hmm. like literally just showing up and being a woman like your presence changes that dynamic so for example if there's a group of guys I often tell this story actually when I when I went to um, Atlantic City with a friend for a a birthday um, I went and sat at a blackjack table where a bunch of guys were a group of of guys were were playing and they were right before I got there they were joking having a great time Probably saying some questionable things and the second I sat down it went silent Mm. And you know some of the things they were saying like I would have been gung-ho for like I would would love to joke around with them But obviously my presence completely changes that environment and the question has to be kind of why? You know what why does it change this environment is because what you were just joking about isn't okay? or is it because you don't think that I would like what you're talking about and both of those things are unfair so you need to ask yourself that question and if it's really just that you know obviously if it's if it's what you're joking about isn't cool then don't don't maybe stop joking about it but if it's that you just don't think I would enjoy it then then maybe consider that I, I know it's difficult I can't I guess I can't say like you have to assume that every woman likes that kind of humor but It's just there needs to be a space for women to be a part of those things. And I think a lot of women are doing a really good job in entering that space. Like Amy Schumer, for example, um, Mm. or Ali Wong. She's also really, really good at at making jokes that are very crude and that are also, you know, from the women's perspective. And that's just something that goes to show that, like, rape culture and these topics, for example, like with Amy Schumer, she's always making jokes that, that are that are really uh, understanding of rape culture but they're still really crude so they can't exist at the same time you just have to be smart and you have to be taking that into account Mm. when you're making these jokes. Yeah, I think I think what it really comes down to and what I always say is you just got to be better. You just got to be smarter. You just have to really consider and then your jokes will actually be smarter and better as well.
0: Yeah. It it's like a whole new dimension of cleverness to it, doesn't it?
1: Exactly. Well, exactly. When you're taking into account these 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 bigger broader topics, that's what makes good comedians. I mean, and you see it all the time when when people are joking about race, um or or sex or or um sexism any you know big topic like this it's it's better when you are actually really smart and and turning it on its head rather than just Mm. using a stereotype that you know will get laughs but only because people are taught from literally day one that that's
0: what they're supposed to laugh at yeah American Pie was released 20 years ago and as a society I hope we can say we've become more aware of this bias since then. So I thought in comparison we could talk about a slightly more recent movie with a similar plot, Superbad. Right. So could you give us a brief summation for the plot of Superbad? Yeah, of course. So Superbad is also about um, some high school friends,
1: though um, I'm much more in support of these, the, these friends. This was also more my time so I'm a really big uh, super bad fan Um, and it's about two best friends who basically um, are about to graduate from high school and part of the story is that they are really really close and they um, are kind of both dealing with the idea of having to leave each other because they're both going to go to different schools and then the other part of the story is that they're both also going to try to go to this party where they're also you guessed are gonna try and lose their virginities so yes uh they basically just go on a, a wild chase trying to trying to figure that out and the the important thing to note i will say in the american pie version all of them actually do have sex which i actually found very disappointing um when i watched it for the podcast because i was a bit like Oh, like, of course they would all you know, succeed in this film, but in Superbad they don't. And so that was a win. That was a win. Not that I'm saying that they shouldn't, you know, I think people should be able to have as much sex as they want. That's not what I'm saying again. Yeah. But if we're talking about narrative structure and like what we're learning from the film and things like this, like I think it's important to note that that was like kind of a, a massive change between those two movies.
0: Yeah. Something I really wanted to cover that you mentioned in this episode was how our culture likes to undermine women by using terms for female genitalia in the negative. Mm-hmm. Could you talk more about this and also why the use of dick and cock is not a fair comparison?
1: Yes, of course. Yeah, so basically we were right in that sweet spot with this movie where using the term pussy is like super super normal that's something that that still happens a lot but basically it's really important to note that that you know i know people say all the time you know dick uh and people try to use the argument that you know well we we should be able to say pussy because we say dick but the really important thing to note is like what pussy and dick mean when you say pussy you're, you're, you're saying that it's that they're like a coward or like that they are weak you know and that is a direct representation of like how we feel about women like they're weaker and uh, when you say dick i mean it just it just means asshole i mean it doesn't have the same effect that it would take on as as something uh, as derogatory as as pussy and so it's it's something that's so simple and like you know when you say it people they, they get a little bit like oh why do you have to be so nitpicky about it but it's it's one of those things it's like it's important like why why do we use such negative ideas towards the female genitalia like it's just where does that stem from and why do we automatically see that as weak and as kind of like an attack whereas like when we say when we when we use the term dick it's just like you know that's what guys say to their friends not like mm. i mean i know that guys say pussy to their friends as well but it it's not an attack like it like pussy would be um in the same way and i think it's really important to know why we where that stems from that's truly like the root of it so yeah and that movie it happens a lot which (laughs) um you know means which is why a lot of people were doing it too at the time and i know you could question like well was it because people were doing it first or because the movie was doing it first but to be fair like after super bad i remember so many people quoting that movie all of the time so it you know obviously that's really important like people were saying all of the things that were coming out of that movie and a lot of them are really funny like I say this on that episode you know some of it is it just holds up it's still it's still really funny but like you have to consider when you're writing humor like that you have to to think about at what points is it funny because you're being clever and you're 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 thinking of new ways like I was saying before um to to use the stereotypes that we have and when are you just literally like shooting out Things you know will get the laugh simply because it's easy.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. In so in this episode, you drew our attention to Seth's goal of being the mistake of a drunken woman. I think you emphasized it so nicely by saying you shouldn't want to be someone's mistake by being drunk. Mm -hmm. The woman will later think of it with a deep sense of shame and regret and acknowledge that while it wasn't rape, the guy definitely crossed the line of cool human behavior. So I'd like to give you a chance here to emphasize the line between respectfully presenting your desire for a sexual interaction and predatory coercion.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's a really big one. Obviously, like consent is such an issue that Mm. just something we've not been taught correctly and some, for some people at all. And simply like, if you're looking at these movies, that's super clear. It's something that I say a lot and I hope it's understood correctly when we are talking about rape cases or sexual assault cases where like the woman was drunk or maybe not drunk but just in any case there's a there's trial and we're questioning like why well especially with when a woman is drunk we're, we're questioning how we can tell if if it was if it was rape or not and it's like okay we should be putting these kinds of movies into the discussion not to not to prove anything simply not not definitely not to incriminate anybody But to say that, like, of course, people are Mm. confusing it. If you're looking at this movie, literally, like you just said from that quote, he he's saying, like, let's get them as drunk as we can because then they will sleep with us, and um, we want to be their mistakes and. That is literally handing over all the young men that I went to high school with, like <laughs> this idea that, that that's what you should do. So literally, if you're looking at it, we're asking the question in court, why, why is this a normal behavior like women getting drunk and then and claiming that men are, are doing these things to them? Because literally that's what the movie is telling them. That is be it's a correct behavior and telling women that they should also let it happen. And then again, like later, they realize that it's, that was not a positive thing for them. So it's on both sides. I, I-, I also want to make clear that I'm not ever saying that it's, that it's, that that all of our representations are just like, you know, teaching men to be horrible. That's not it. It's also teaching women to behave a certain way and not mm. positive. It's not, these representations are not positive for them either. They are not taught to like, Question those things and to react in a different way. So, so yeah, that's basically what it is. It's a culture, people. So it's like it's created into this um, <laughs> kind of cycle. Yeah. So I mean, you know, when it comes to consent, it's just there's really no no black and white. But the important thing to remember, and sometimes I feel like this helps it click in people's brain, is that people have been shown this messaging so much so of course they're confused that is that is what we're saying that's what rape culture is of course they're confused whenever i'm talking about it i'm not ever saying like i can't believe you do this i'm saying no it makes complete sense that you don't know how that men don't know how to ask or ask if a woman is consenting and women don't know how to show whether or not they are because we don't see it Mm -hmm. like we don't we don't know what it looks like so yeah, I think that's it's just I don't know how to how to solve that problem. Oh probably just have better representations, maybe, <laughs> or um talk about it more. Communication. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's definitely a huge problem.
0: Yeah, thank you for that <clears throat> for that insight. <laughs> So another point you made about Superbad was how they overreacted to periods as being gross and horrible. I'd like uh, to give you the opportunity to expand on this a bit more.
1: Yeah, that's a really crazy scene. Basically, there's this <laughs> scene where... Seth, no, no, not Seth. His name is Seth in the show. and Not to be confused with Seth Rogen, who is also in, in the movie, but it's Jonah Hill. So Jonah Hill <laughs> is basically dancing with a girl at a party and uh when she leaves um some someone notices that there's blood on his pants and it turns out that the girl has had her period on on his pants and then they literally freak out like it's the craziest thing that has ever happened to anyone i mean literally everyone at this party is losing their minds and he he's literally like gagging on himself and I mean, it's just like the cheapest period joke ever because it's not a joke. There's literally no joke in it. It, It's not a joke. He's just like, oh, periods, I'm going to die. And like, that's it. It, And I mean, (laughs) I think it's just really, really silly because it's just kind of like really like, why was this the joke that we thought was going to be a good one at that time? And I Mm. guess it, it makes sense. But it's also just like, why is it i just don't know why someone would write that down basically it's like why why would you write that down it's it's just like not it's not to me it's just really not like funny in the way that they that they obviously think that it is and it it just really creates this whole idea like luckily the the woman doesn't seem too fazed like uh, i'm kind of glad that she's not she the girl whose period blood it is doesn't seem like really worried about that embarrassed yeah because that would have been worse it doesn't help that like women there's a few women in there that are like reacting as well and it's like would any woman react that way i mean i guess they maybe there are women that would react that way just because they they also don't know how to react in that situation but like I feel like we could just make that not be how they reacted and then it could be like a normal a normal thing but um it was 2008 so I guess that's the kind of things that we thought were acceptable obviously I don't think that would fly today but yeah it does not help with where we live right now which is just like periods we're now trying to talk about them more as if they're a normal thing which they are and um, moments like that really help you remember like why women are so ashamed of those kinds of things also you know well for I will I will give a, a anecdote from my from my high school days I actually there was one period of time where Period of time. Um, <laughs> I was walking around uh, school all day with like period blood on my on on the skirt that I was wearing, and oh. nobody told me all day. Nobody told me. Oh. Um, yeah, I know, crazy. <laughs> in high school, horrible. I was a freshman too, um, until I got to like uh, the last. The last I was at. Uh, th- I was in theater, um, and I got to the theater meeting, and my like theater teacher was the person who told me all day. I had recognized that people were like being kind of weird, and you know, it's it's just like people react and when they see things like that they think that that's how they're supposed to react and so yeah they you know obviously no one reacted as exaggerated as oh my god this is the worst thing that's ever happened but they were obviously not thinking that it was something that they should be a part of Mm. and tell me you know like yes yeah (laughs) this is happening to you oh anyway
0: i feel so sorry for you no it's okay
1: it's okay now i think about it i'm like it's Totally fine. It, it if it happened to me now, I would be like, "Yes, yeah. women, womanhood." But like, you know, obviously, that's not how it feels back then.
0: Could you define? Oh, this kind of relates. Could you f- define badass woman for the listeners and how the woman in that scene, um, who jet alongside them, were the opposite of badass? Yeah. So, well,
1: badass women it, That's one of the topics that I that I often talk about um on the podcast, and it's it's just you know women who are empowering other women who are you know sex positive seeing things just willing to talk about issues and you know not necessarily make them a problem but making them a priority and yeah just just obviously the most important thing supporting other women we have this horrible symptom of patriarchy in our in our society where women really compete against each other Mm. and um you know it's really really negative and it's my least favorite symptom of the patriarchy because I just feel it makes me really sad that women are are kind of taught to to hate each other uh, a bit obviously that's not always true and obviously that is changing again but yes the so badass women are women that um, don't buy into that kind of don't feel the need to compete with other women but to support them Mm and yeah those women were so like if you if they were badass women they would have been like okay let's all calm down do you need us to help you like we're gonna we're gonna get this off of you let us help you get this blood away like don't worry this is very normal we we know we know what it's like like we, we wipe it off of the floor like uh, every month you know this kind of thing so that they were super clearly not badass women mm.
0: yeah just for for their own reactions and i like how um I feel that was what 2008. Did you say? Mm-hmm. I feel like now in the last decade that I'm, I know more and more badass women. Yes. as opposed to like back then. Yeah.
1: Yes, it's so true. It's really, really true. And you know, even women that maybe, they, it's something you have to learn. Sadly, like uh, yeah, you know, I can remember literally learning about feminism and about gender studies and things like that in university and it it just changed everything where you were just kind of like oh my god like yeah this is a huge thing and we can you know be positive in this way um so yeah it's amazing Mm. it's amazing there's so many amazing women doing amazing things these days and i think the important thing is just that we support all of them
0: yeah so a final point I'd like you to make on Superbad is your response to to Evan's wish to live in a world where girls weren't weirded out by Boners.
1: Yeah. Oh my god. That is that it's still so funny to me because yeah, this he just makes this this comment about wanting to live in a world where yeah, where women are not afraid of boners and like it's so funny because we're just kind of like we, you know, we're not afraid of them when we choose to see them. The problem is, is that we're just like being shown these images without or not even images, sometimes real ones right in front of you, like without our our consent, basically, you know, we want to live in a world where mm-hmm. we get to decide when we see them and we get to tell you that we'd like to see them now, not not that they're just like, you know, sent via phones without our without even recognizing i mean like there's this new thing apparently where people if you have your phone what is that called where you have um but when you when you put your phone um and people can just send you things directly and people apparently will just send will just send dick pics to women's phones that are just like
0: open and it's so it's just It's like file sharing or something, right? When you yeah, just turn on file sharing. Yeah. They
1: have it on the iPhone. I can't remember exactly what it's called, but yeah, it's it's just yeah. basically like you literally get a message saying, like, this person is sending you this picture, and the picture is there. It like pops up. And this I have one friend who says she it happens to her all the time and she'll be like on the metro. So she knows that people are the person who sent it to her is on that metro with her. And it's it's literally crazy that that is even something we have to worry about you know like um, and that people don't understand why it's so threatening like sometimes people are like yeah but it's not like they were gonna harm you and it's like yeah but the, the, the point is like Rape culture's a thing. Like we have to we have to worry about that. Like we actually have to question, you know, like, oh, if this person sent me this picture, like could they also, you know, maybe follow me off the train. And if they follow me off the train, like what are they gonna do at that point? And maybe that will never happen. And likely it doesn't a lot, but we do have to worry about it. Um so yeah. That that little Evan guy, like it just it's so funny because he means well, but he does
0: not get the point. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there are two more instances of perpetuation that I'd like you to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first is the myths surrounding the rape of men. Right,
1: the myths surrounding the rape of men. This is actually something I talked about recently on one of the episodes, um, Wedding Crashers, hmm. uh, because there's um, a scene where one of the, the men is raped, Vince Vaughn's character, and it's fascinating because whenever we see representations of male rape, it's it's usually just not even like categorized as rape. We like, it, it's not even like normally stated. In this movie, actually it was, uh, he does actually joke about it being raped the next day, but the fact is that it was a joke and it's always shown as a comedic relief, male rape, even in like 40 days and 40 nights, it's also represented in that movie. And, and that is also, uh, again, just made light and that's because, well, male rape, well, we have this idea, first of all, that men will always want to have sex, uh, that, that that's just always what they're look, what they're out to do and what they always want, you know. And that's, that's a classic thing we see in movies all the time, you know, oh, men are always thinking about sex. And that creates this idea that, like, a man can't not want it and that they'll always want it. So, so then male rape is kind of impossible which is obviously not true a man can absolutely be raped i'm sure there are men who that i've at least been told by by some men who have have never been raped but have had experiences where they they suddenly realized what it was like to to be a woman because maybe they were in a situation where a man was kind of making them feel uncomfortable and they were like oh this must be how women feel all the time and yeah that's that's exactly true so I think that's that's one part and then the other part is that we um we also tend to think that men are able to overpower other men so there's no way that they can be raped which again is completely untrue but yes mostly in representations in movies it's just turned into a joke and basically not even called rape at all which is just really not a useful tool for us because there are a lot of men that are raped and yeah it, it just doesn't it just doesn't make for productive discussion on that like it shouldn't just always be a joke or at all should, it shouldn't be a joke and yes there there have been a lot of representations of it that way though
0: hmm. could you also speak to the cultural approach towards the lgbtq community in the media
1: yeah this is much similarly to to any kind of like marginalized groups we kind of see that uh, cultural annihilation or some symbolic annihilation happening where basically if there were representations of those groups they didn't really get Get a say in how they were represented, and uh, most usually just made th- their problems were kind of made into to jokes, just the butt of the joke kind of situation. With the idea of intersectional feminism, all of these conversations should be one in the same. So, um, when we're talking about uh, feminism, we should also be talking about LGBTQ, we should also be talking about race. I think that. That a lot of the conversations you can have about um, women in the media can also, in some ways, be applied to to all of those other all of those other subjects. I think that it's a completely different. Separate culture that needs to be talked about in its own very specific ways. And I um, Certainly cannot call myself any kind of expert in talking about them uh, Appropriately, but I would say that you can find a lot of the same patterns in how we used to represent These kinds of marginalized groups Luckily again, it that seems to be like something that's definitely in the midst of changing. I wouldn't say on a large scale sometimes it seems like we have um, made major progress but then if you think about a lot of the people who who just completely reject it then that's still a large portion of the world so it's good to see that shows and movies are starting to at least represent more LGBTQ um, characters. And like, for example, RuPaul's Drag Race is a huge deal these days. And that's that's made by the LGBTQ community for the LGBTQ community. And Mm. so it's really exciting to see these things becoming really, really something that we're actually talking about and
0: welcoming into our media landscape. Mm. That brings me to this next question. So having brought to light these instances of widespread perpetuation in the media, are there any well-known or perhaps less-known comedy films you would recommend that have little to no perpetuation in them? Um, I honestly can't say that there are many that have none well
1: it depends on how far you'll go with the term perpetuation because again like not everything is rape culture but for me i would say most movies Mm. um have some kinds of of things that are going on uh that are not great for women just because you know it's it's taking some time and a lot of the time women weren't allowed in into the room until very recently and also, you know, it was only not that long ago that this whole discussion became a huge discussion with the Me Too movement, so not a lot has changed so thus far. But I was trying to think of some movies that I think the best thing to go towards is movies that have that that, that pass the Bechdel test. I don't know if you're familiar, but uh, uh, the Bechdel, no. the Bechdel, should I explain? Yeah. Um, it's basically a test you can use for um, movies that, uh, or TV shows, I guess, that it basically shows like how well it's represent. not how well, but if it's representing women. So there are three pieces of criteria. The first is that there has to be more than one woman in the film. Those two women or more have to have a conversation. And the conversation can't be about a man. And very few films actually pass it. It's pretty amazing. Like, you should go back and watch any of your favorite films. And most of them don't. Uh, Which is pretty amazing because it's kind of like, yeah, we really don't. You know, even movies where we put women or strong female characters into them. Like, for example, I went and saw um, the Pokemon movie, the the Detective Pe- Pikachu. And, you know, this is a huge movie happening right now. And um, one of the lead characters is, is a female. She, you know, she's pretty strong female character. But then that's basically it. Other than that, there's one, like, it's a Pokemon pretending to be a woman. So again, that's also not great because it's just doing the same representation of like um, cyborg woman, uh, you know, not a real woman who can't speak. She can't speak because she's a Pokemon. And so like literally it's this mainstream movie barely passes the Bechdel test because technically there is a part where a girl talks to another woman for like two seconds. But I don't know if they meant that to be passing the Bechdel test. So I don't I don't buy it. But basically, yes, most movies don't but sorry let me think which movies actually do um i was thinking because you were talking about comedy movies i was thinking uh well the movie bridesmaids has a lot of of women in it i like that movie because it's going down the whole crude humor route and i think that that's something that i i really value when you can see women kind of being messy being dirty um it's, it's something that i really like i would have to watch it again in order to see if there's anything that's really Perpetuate y but for the most part, I would say that's a really positive film for, for um, females in humor. I think that though you'll find holes in, in most movies that you watch, which is a shame. And once you start going down that hole, everything will disappoint you, but it's okay. The point of the idea is that you're still meant to love what you love. You just have to know and question what it has taught you, basically.
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was very reluctant to have a daughter because I didn't know if I was up to the task of being a strong female role model for her to have, Mm -hmm. you know, the confidence to shut down all of, you know, the ridiculous attitudes towards women from both men and women that we come into contact with. And more importantly, while she is at a young, crucial, impressionable stage of development, to ensure she is only surrounded by people with an egalitarian world view, which, given something as common as the use of female genitalia in the negative, mm-hmm. is probably near impossible. Yeah. Um, however, in the same instance, I realise I need to be that person for my son also. That's, you know, one of my responsibilities as a parent, regardless of my child's genitals. Mm-hmm. I hear people talking about holding men accountable for the behaviour of all men and to raise boys who are aware of their privilege. And that is something I've really struggled to understand just because I look at my three-year-old son. He's so happy and peaceful. He doesn't understand the terms girl, boy, man, woman. He knows penis and vulva. And apart from that difference, in his eyes, everyone is the same children are born egalitarian and it's our culture that instills this inequality and i realize that it's not about punishing men for being at the top it's about encouraging them to bring everyone to the top alongside Mm -hmm. them it's about allowing children to maintain their egalitarianism that means you know not saying things like boys will be boys or like a huge pet peeve of mine is good girl or good boy Mm -hmm. setting aside how unbelievably condescending that is it's completely dismissing whatever deed they've done that warranted praise in favor of you know acknowledging their genitals Mm -hmm. good girl for using the potty good boy for climbing that tree you know um as adults we are so conditioned to use those phrases we don't realize that children pick up on those subtle differences Mm. i'm a good boy for climbing a tree good boys climb trees not girls you know and as simple as that the deviation from egalitarianism begins do you have um any other ways like small or large to maintain egalitarianism and foster equality in children
1: well i mean i definitely think what you what you're saying is the most important thing it's it's communication the way that you talk you Mm. talk to your your children and uh, and talk to children in general and not just in obviously what you're saying with the language that's super important just the language that you're using but also identifying the issues when they arise I think one of the reasons why this culture has gone on for so long without us really doing anything about it is because we weren't talking about it no one was ever like pointing out that that it wasn't okay, really. It was just kind of what women were just kind of told, no, that's how it is. You know, you have to, this is just what the challenges that you'll face. And I think it's really important to be like, from the beginning, you know, be teaching children that this isn't just how it has to be. Um, and talking about it from the start saying, this is what is, this is what our culture is, but why, why is it like that? And really questioning the whole history behind everything. Because again, I've, as I've said before, culture is what I really, really is interesting to me, the culture of, of how these things develop and how they continue to remain within us, why they remain in our language, why they remain in how we react in certain situations and things like that. And it all comes back to like what we were taught as children and we were, I at least was taught that, you know, these things were just the way that it was. Uh, so I think that that's mostly the most important thing, just starting from the bottom and saying, no, this this isn't good. You know, it doesn't have to be cheap. just because they're children doesn't mean that everything has to be sugar coated for them. You know, they'll they're so smart. They'll understand if you say to them from the start that, yes, they, there are these inequalities and, you know, we need to talk about them. And that's something you should be aware of as you grow. I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, I like that. Thank you.
0: So in the very first episode of this podcast, Dr. Dasha Narvaez talked about one of the components of the Evolved Nest for Children, that children need to have free play with children of multiple ages. You know, there weren't small, small band hunter-gatherer tribes with 30 children all born in the same year playing together all day, every day. Maybe there were, you know, a dozen children all together of, you know, likely a variety of ages. And Dasha made the point that when children play freely with others of different ages, it fosters cooperation. You know, the older children learn to help and guide the younger ones, and young children learn from modelling and looking up to the older children. There isn't condescension, superiority, or dominance, whereas in our society, we have the opposite. You know, it's normal for us to spend most of our young lives with a large group of people when the same age as us. We don't learn from people who are at the same level as us. That's just a state of mutual oblivion. You know, It encourages competition over cooperation. And now we have this prevalence of toxic masculinity from men who strive to compete with each other because they simply don't know how to live and work together cooperatively and it's the same with women where we have spiteful backstabbing bringing other women down rather than building each other up you know and me- meeting the other components of the evolved nest are also vital for appropriate socialization but when the majority of a child's social interaction is limited to such a narrow and unnatural group socialization issues are going to manifest And unfortunately, these socialization issues we're seeing, you know, using female genitalia as derogatory remarks, condemning disrespectful banter is, you know, viewed as feminine sensitivity. Periods are gross, but displaying boners is totally acceptable. Mm. These are all normal. And sadly, it's, you know, it's really just indicative of grown adults who are suffering from their childhoods. (laughs) Sorry, I'm not sure if that was a rant or just me trying to tie up how all of this relates to how unbelievably vital it is to raise children by their biological needs rather than by social, cultural, (laughs) these trends. So would you like to add anything to that? No, I mean, I think for a while I am always a
1: fan of a rant, so uh, I'm all, I'm about I'm about the rant. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it's true. It's well at the heart of it, it's it's a culture people, <laughs> so it's all about you know yeah. going like back. That. Yeah, it's about going back to the to the start and and questioning things and talking about things. That's the point of of all of this and the point of I don't know cultural studies is really just to question why we do specific things and. Uh, yes, I completely agree. I think that uh, it's 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 basically all about talking and communication and I think um,
0: everything that you've summed up was really, really well said. So I'll, I'll let you leave it at that. So what are some misconceptions about feminism in particular with reference to rape culture?
1: Well, I think that as I've kind of alluded to, a huge misconception about feminism in particular with the conversation of rape culture is that uh it it's always supposed to be about women you know like or put supporting women and kind of put putting down men which is completely incorrect rape culture or we're, we're basically trying to change this culture this culture that we have is positive for everybody there are so many parts of it that are are meant to, To help men not have to live in this same box of of having to react to situations in very particular ways and the same with women and that's kind of what rape culture has created like this pressure to to react in particular ways that that creates these these kinds of issues and so yeah i think i think the biggest problem is that we we shouldn't see it as you know women accusing men Of something and see it more as an opportunity for discussion and saying yes these are issues we can see that now no one no one needs to pretend like they weren't issues and we can all say what role we played in in perpetuating it because we all have and I, I think it's not obviously within this discussion people always say that we should be taking the blame off of women and I totally agree the blame should not be on women in these situations but we do have a responsibility to learn how to say no and things like this that is something that we have a responsibility to to learn because otherwise it's so murky you know and that's something that we weren't taught so that's part of the problem and that that's what we're saying rape culture can help solve these issues it can help women learn how to make it more clear and help men realize what isn't being said basically and to question um, everything. Well, everyone questioning everything. I mean, uh, it's. I think that that's just a really important discussion to be having, that it can be positive for everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: So you've probably already answered this uh, final question, but I'll just um, ask in case you have anything else to add. So what could be done on a large scale to minimize or prevent perpetuation?
1: well more women (laughs) in uh (laughs) and more people of color people of people lgbtq community all of these things are really really important just more representation of different diverse Mm -hmm. backgrounds will really solve all issues because just getting people in the room to to tell their own stories is what's going to help create not only more interesting stories but more accurate ones and ones that will create a like a more Mm. positive environment for everybody like i don't know i hate the idea that stories you know obviously stories are meant to have conflict but people kind of sometimes confuse that with them needing to they're showing the conflict but not talking about it in a productive way and it's kind of like that's that's not really useful if you're going to be commenting about something like this then make it productive. Make it a discussion. Make it something that we're actually talking about and not just frivolously showing. So, yeah, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, mostly the most important way is to change the media, change the way we talk about it in every day. When you hear yourself say something that isn't great for women, then then stop and be like, oh, you know, question it. Don't be hard on yourself again. But it starts with us. It starts with everything. So just got to
0: be aware. Mm -hmm. I will put links in the show notes to your Hear Me Out podcast and website where else can people go to find more or to get in contact with you
1: Um, yeah well you can follow me on Instagram which is Charlo Brooke Um, Mm -hmm. that would be Charlo with three O's so C-H-A-R-L-O-O-O brooke b-r-o-o-k and then yeah on mm-hmm. my website like you said hermia.com there's my email address which is charlie at hermiout.com. and yeah please if anyone has first of all any examples of movies that have perpetuated them i absolutely want to know um not only for the podcast just for myself i i really this is my the thing that interests me the most my passion so i i love to hear from people who have who find representations yeah. um, from their past that, especially ones they used to love, and they go back and watch them and realize, oh, this is why I'm like this. That is really really interesting to me. So yeah, or if anyone ever just wants to talk about rape culture, I'm here for it and would love to hear from anybody.
0: Charlie thank you for taking the time to speak to us today I think well it's past midnight for you now isn't it um (laughs) I I really appreciate you sharing this knowledge with us do you have any final words
1: um well just thank you thank you so much for having me it's been really cool I, I love your podcast I think it's a really really awesome discussion really interesting content lots of really amazing guests so I'm really grateful to be to be one of them so thank you
0: If you enjoyed this episode, you can join the discussions on our Facebook and Instagram pages. To hear more, subscribe for free on the podcast app on your smartphone. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and all of your favorite podcast platforms. If you would like to offer feedback or suggest a guest, email us at untaming.podcast
1: at gmail.com.